Amen and amen. Hey guys, you guys can have a seat. Hey, welcome to the table. We saved a seat for you. Hey, if we haven't met, my name is Isaac, and I have the privilege um, of serving as one of the directors here at the table, and I'm serving on staff here, and we are so glad that you guys are here. So are you guys, uh, how are y'all feeling? Y'all feeling okay? Yeah? It's like the, uh, the obligatory, like uh, the preacher just like asked like a very, very rhetorical question, and now it's time for me to woo, right? So that's what, that's what just happened right there. Well, hey, uh, we are so glad that you're here, and uh, let me tell you a little bit about me. Um, so I am from Texas. Uh, the best state um, in the world. I know some people want to say um, when I, I disagree, but no, Texas is the best state. And I actually went to, not only am I from the best state, I also went to the best school. Went to Baylor University, Sikkim Bears, right? A few, few bears in the room. And, and while at Baylor, um, I studied film, right? I started out as a business major, but then realized that film was a better fit. And I loved studying film. It was so cool, just like understanding movies and video production and, and how that worked. And uh, so my roommates would like come home after like a really like hard classes and like they would just come home tired and mentally drained. And I'd be on the couch like watching Hulu and Netflix because I was doing homework. Like that was, that was, that was me um, as a film major. I say that to say, I am so excited for this new series that we are about to jump into, because we are jumping into a brand new series called Theology and Film Festival 2018. All right, you guys like movies? Yeah, come on. Hey, so we are, we're jumping in. So every week, we're basically going to take a movie or a film and really explore the theology behind it, really kind of really unpack it and kind of see, like, what is it? What's in that film? So do you guys want to know what we're talking about today? Take a look. Once every year, our ancestors come back to our world. Please have a safe journey. To see family <laughs> and friends. But no living person has ever visited their world. Until now. Who's in there? I'm sorry. What's going on? Dante, wait up! You gotta stay with me, boy. You don't know where we are. Dante's screaming. Do you mind? No! <laughs> What is going on? Remind me how I know you? They're your family. We have to get you back home. Welcome. Anything to declare? Uh, as a matter of fact, yes. We're talking about Coco, come on, yeah. See, I know when I say that, some of you are like really excited that we're talking about Coco because you, like me, are a huge Pixar fan. I love Pixar, right? I love, I love Pixar. They just do such a good job. I was reading an article uh, recently that somebody was saying like after, uh, and this is no hot takes here, but after like Disney bought the company in 2006, that the, that the films have been kind of on a decline recently. And then I was like, that's not true. But then like after like 
looking at the list, like Cars 3 was because of that, but that's, that's another conversation. Hey, but we are, we're talking about Pixar, right? We're talking about Coco, and this is an amazing film. Even if you're not into animated movies, this is an amazing film to discuss and to think through because of some of the stories and complexities um, that it brings up. But before we even get into that, Coco was the, is the highest grossing movie of all time in Mexico. It is the highest grossing movie of all time in Mexico, right? And it has, as you can see in the trailer, it has these amazing animations and visuals. Actually, can, I, can we pull out a few? So look, look at this shot. Can you guys see this? Like the light coming in from the window, just like how clear and crisp it is, like the orange coming up from the leaves. Like the animators did such a good job creating such compelling visuals um, in this film. Right, and there's amazing characters. There's, uh, there's like a lot of sing, or not a lot. There's like a few songs and music in the film that's like worked in really well. So this is not like a High School Musical where they just like stop and like randomly start singing, and you have no idea why they're singing. Uh, I've noticed that kind of bugs me a little bit. But the singing in this movie um, actually has a lot of purpose, like into into the story, uh, because um, the film starts. Uh, with the story of this 12-year-old boy named Miguel. And Miguel is an aspiring musician. The problem with that is that Miguel's family hates music. They hate music, right? They're actually a family of shoemakers, right? And the reason they hate music is because Miguel's great-great-grandfather abandoned his family to go pursue his musical career. Because of that, his great-great-grandmother, she has abolished all music in their family. In their family, there is no music. So what's a 12-year-old boy to do? So secretly, right, behind the scenes, y'all have never done this as 12-year-olds, kind of sneaking around, and he he started learning music, he started learning um, guitar, and he actually wants to be this amazing musician, He wants to be just like the most famous musician of all time, this character named Ernesto de la Cruz. Here, take a look. And he wrote the best songs. But my all-time favorite, it's... Remember me. Don't let it make you cry. For even if I'm far away, I hold you in my heart. I sing a secret song to you each night. We are apart. Remember me. Though I have to travel far, remember me. Each time you hear a sad guitar, know that I'm with you the only way that I can be. Until you're in my arms again. He lived the kind of life you dream about. When he was crushed by a giant bell. I want to be. (laughs) The first time, okay, full full honesty, the first time that I watched that in theaters, uh, I laughed so hard. (laughs) That was so funny. Uh, The first time that the bell fell on Ernesto de la Cruz. So now, Ernesto de la Cruz is dead. Right? So in Mexico, uh, what happens, or in the film, what happens is there is one day where everyone who is dead can come over to the land of the living if people put up your photo. Right? So because Ernesto de la Cruz is like the most famous musician of all time, everyone puts up his photo. Right? But for people who are not quite as famous, it's really important 
for their family to remember them. Because then who else is going to put up your photo and remember you after you've passed away? So this song of Remember Me actually carries a lot of weight and a lot of um, dualistic meaning in the film. Because you have on one instance, you have this family. And they would say that you are remembered by the approval of your family. And then you have, you know, Ernesto de la Cruz, and he's saying, no, 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 who cares about family? You will be remembered by, like, your uh, ambition, right? Do you see the tension here? So it, Miguel's family, they, they want to be remembered, but they want it to be, like, through the lens of family approval. And Ernesto de la Cruz says, no, 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 be remembered by your ambition. So approval and ambition are waging at war. And if the, the director or if the Coco was... Uh, Coco the movie was here where I am and preaching a sermon to you, the main point would be, uh, the main point would be this. It would be live your life in a way that you are remembered. That's what Coco would preach. Live your life in a way that you are remembered, right? So Miguel's family, they would say, you will be remembered by approval, And Ernesto de la Cruz is saying, no, 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 no. It's not necessarily family approval. It's going to be your ambition. Your ambition is going to be how people are going to remember you. Throughout the film, he says, like, seize your moments, which basically is licensed to do, like, a lot of different stuff to get what you want, which we'll talk about here in a second. But, um, oh, by the way, I'm not spoiling anything. So if you haven't seen Coco, uh, it just came out on Netflix, uh, like, last week. So I do highly recommend you go watch it. Um, So live your life in a way that you're remembered. Remember me. So here, here's what we're talking about today. You can be remembered. You can be remembered. Like, hey, tell your neighbor, type your neighbor and tell him, you can be remembered. Tell him, you can be remembered. You can. And I, I mean, I mean, and somebody's like, wait, what was your name again? No. <laughs> so you can be remembered. And what I mean by that is you can be loved. You can be cared for. You can be affirmed, right? You can be remembered. And every person, actually, every person can be remembered by choosing one of three options. There are three options that you can choose to be remembered. So um, if you have your Bibles or if you have um, your your apps or on the screens, we're going to look at a passage that really sets up um, this idea of being remembered, right? We're going to look at Luke, Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 43. Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 43. And it says this. Two others who were criminals were led away to be be put to death with him. All right, I'm going to stop there. Who are we talking about here? Talking about Jesus, right? So the scene that we're about to read is actually the scene of Jesus. And he's already been beaten. He's already like walked down uh, the road, like carrying his cross up to the mountain. And he's already there, um, kind of already on the cross in between uh, two criminals. So that's, that's where we're entering the story right now. So two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him, verse 33. And when they came to a place that is called the school, there they, were cruci- there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left, And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots and divided his garments. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Such 
such powerful words. And this is such a good picture of who Jesus is. Because up until the very end, when people were mocking him and cursing him, he was still saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That is just such a good picture of who Jesus is. All right? So options, but options for remember. So that's just kind of the setting on where we are. It's Jesus there on the cross in between two criminals. So options that you can be remembered. Option number one, you can be remembered by ambition. You can be remembered by ambition. So we're going to keep reading in the text here in verse 35, and it says this. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is Christ of God, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. So already we're introduced to a few more characters into the story. We're introduced to the rulers and we're introduced to soldiers. So who... Who are these rulers? Well, these rulers, these are leaders of the Jewish church. Excuse me. These are leaders of the Jewish church, right? For, for those of Bible scholars in the room, they, they, these are members of the Sanhedrin. This is like the highest level of like religious authority. These are the people that are really trying to keep their religious system intact, right? And they are orienting their entire life around trying to make a name for the religious system right? And they are in charge of keeping that. They are in charge of um, having ambition for keeping their religious system. So those are, those are the rulers, right? The religious people. They love rules, and they hate Jesus because they think that Jesus breaks all the rules. They hate Jesus. They love rules. And the biggest rule of all, they think that Jesus broke it. Because Jesus claimed to be God, and they killed him for it, because that was a very big rule. You don't make that claim, right? So these are the religious leaders. They're trying to make a name for themselves and make a name for their religious system. And then we look at the soldiers, and these are people that are trying to make a name for the Roman Empire, right, and establishing their ambition and furthering the Roman Empire, right, and opposing anybody who's coming against it. Right? So they're trying to be remembered by the government, trying to make great the name of Rome. So Jesus is actually upsetting both systems right now. Jesus is on the scene, and he is hurting the ambition of both the religious system, and he is hurting the ambition of the government. And both people, because they're trying to make a name for themselves through their ambition, right? they are mocking and they are killing um, Jesus right now. People that want to be remembered by their ambition will stop at nothing to get what they want. People that are trying to make a name for themselves through their ambition, being remembered through their ambition, will stop at nothing to get what they want. Right, so in Coco, if you've seen the film, um, Ernesto de la Cruz, who we saw, he was somebody who wanted to be remembered by his ambition and he stopped at nothing to get what he wanted, right? He sacrificed his family, you know, he, he and a lot more to achieve his ambition because to him, he wanted to be remembered by being the greatest musician of all time. That's his ambition. He wanted to be remembered for his ambition. 
right? So, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually quite, quite guilty of this, of wanting to be remembered for my ambition, right? So when I was uh, in high school, um, I played a lot in, like, in musical worship bands. That's a lot of my high school story. And, and my goal or my ambition was I wanted to, like, um, get into a, like, a traveling, like, Christian worship band, right? That was, that was my ambition. And I kind of, I oriented my life around it, meaning I was playing an unhealthy level of services throughout the week. I was playing like, I'm not, not joking, like five or six services in a week, like at three or four different churches, right? Super unhealthy, burned myself out because I was trying to go after my ambition. And I thought the more that I play, the more that I can network, the more that I might find the right person to invite me to play in the band with them. Right? And there was a, even at one point, there was a really good friend of mine and from high school, and she was having a birthday party. And I didn't go to her birthday party because I wanted to play another like, random church service on a Friday night. Right? I was after my own ambition, trying to make a name for myself. But it doesn't stop there. Oh, no. No, it doesn't stop there. So after, after music, I went off to college, and I already told you guys that I was a film major. So then I wanted to make a name for myself like in, uh, in the video world, right? And then I tried, I tried starting my own uh, video production company uh, like with a website and make videos and kind of make, make a name for myself doing that with a lot of ambition. So that didn't really work out. And then um, I thought, well, uh, I'm seeing all these like, hey, make money easy online. You don't have to do anything, right? So then I kind of explored that a little bit as like an internet entrepreneur, which is a lot more nuanced now that I've learned more about it. But, you know, the thought is let me, let me, make, my, for my, may, let me make a name for myself like as this like internet entrepreneur, right? That, sound, that sounds amazing. Let me, let me do that, right? And then I realized, you know what? I don't want to make my name for myself doing that. I want to be, I'm more, I'm, I'm better than that, quote unquote, better. I want to make a name for myself doing ministry. So I want to like work at a church and like, I want to, you know, be, have this like awesome, like young adult ministry. Like at, at my previous church, we had a young adult ministry and I thought, this is going to be amazing. As soon as we open the doors, everybody's going to come. And the first week we had 23 people and that was the most that we ever had, <laughs> right? My ambitions are not good right? Trying to make a name for myself through what I can achieve and what I can accomplish is not good. And I've realized that everything with music, with video, with like internet entrepreneurship, even with ministry, like if I'm coming at it, trying to make a name for myself, that's not going to work. That's not best. So, um, and even uh, in, in ministry as well, like I would end up spending like super late nights at the office. Like I remember I would, there was like a period where I was like 10 o'clock at night in a church job. Like that should not, that should not be like that, right? I was super late in the office because I was trying to work and to achieve. And that was my ambition because I wanted to be remembered for what I could accomplish in my ambition. So uh, what's your ambition? What's your ambition? What's that thing in your life that you just want to achieve, that you want to accomplish, that, that you can't fathom a world whenever you're not great at this one thing, right? Because we all, to some extent, we all have this ambition, that thing that, that we want to achieve, right? And here's, here's, the, here, here's a good illustration. Um, so uh, a few years ago, uh, so Tom Brady was a, a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback, won a few MVPs, and they did an interview with him. And Tom Brady, I don't know if you've seen him, like, you know, he's not, you know, he's not a bad looking guy, right? And he is making a ton of money, right? And he's so accomplished in the sports world. And they do an interview with him right after he won his third Super Bowl. And he said, there has to be more to life than this. 
There has to be more to life than this, right? Because people at the top of every industry, they're miserable, right? So maybe you're in the room and they're like, whatever industry I'm in, like at work or my career or, or whatever it is, you're like, I want to be the best. I just want to achieve. I want to make a name for myself. I want to be known for this thing. And I think Tom Brady illustrates that even when you, you achieve the pinnacle of what you're trying to achieve, it's still not going to be enough and you're still going to feel like there's something more out there, right? There's something more out there. Um, and maybe, you may be saying, okay, like Isaac, I'm not, you know, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily want to be the best, but if I can just accomplish this one thing, then I know that my life will be way better. If I could just do this one thing, then I know that, you know, it may not be like, the, I'm, not, I'm not trying to like climb the corporate ladder or like crush it at work or like, you know, be like a famous actress or musician or whatever. But, but if I could do this one thing, then I think my life would be a lot better. Like if I can just go, if I can go full-time, right? That's my ambition. If I can just go full-time, then it'll be good and I can be remembered by being a full-time employee. Or maybe w- once I have like a family and a house and a dog, right? And Fufu, like Fufu will remember me, right? Right? Like I just want to be remembered, right? Or, or maybe you're like, you know what? You know what I want to be remembered for? I just want to go to a restaurant and be able to order appetizers and not be a major life decision, right? <laughs> maybe you want to be remembered uh, for, for that. So maybe I can be remembered for my ambition. And here's the thing, is that ambition is not bad. It's not wanting to do well is not bad. But when good things become ultimate things, they become bad things. When good things become ultimate things, they become bad things, right? Wanting to do well, like wanting to be a good employee, wanting to be good with your friends and relationships and wanting to do well in life is not a bad thing at all. It's actually a, a sign of health, just doing well overall in life. But whenever you make something your ultimate thing and whenever you're not able to achieve that and you're not able to get to whatever your ambition, then you feel like you're not being remembered for your ambition and it's hurting you, right? And that's whenever a good thing became an ultimate thing and is now a bad thing, right? I was actually having um, a conversation uh, with uh, a pastor here on staff and it was a really awesome conversation uh, where we were talking about, hey, how do you, how do you keep from being remembered by your ambition? Like, what, what keeps you from that? And he said, you know what, Isaac? It's when I fail. Because when I fail is when I have to wrestle with that my ambition is not going to be enough. My performance and my achievement is not going to be enough. Because then if I keep trying, then I know that I'm standing on empty ground. Like, when I fail, that's when my ambition, I know, is, is not enough. Okay. So if we know that being remembered by your ambition is not best, okay, well, cool. Well, let's go to the second option, right? I said there were three options. Second option, option number two, be remembered by approval. Be remembered by approval. Here in uh, um, verse 39, let's look. So one of the criminals who hang there railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. So remember what just happened. So the the religious leaders were mocking him and the soldiers were mocking him. And now you have a thief on the cross right next to him who is now also mocking Jesus. And notice what he's doing. 
He's just repeating what the religious leaders and the, the soldiers were saying, right? He, he's saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. He's not asking a genuine question, right? You would think like, hey, are you not the Christ? Like, why don't, let's, it, would, it could be a fair question, but it's not. How do we know it's not? Because he says, uh, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, right? Or maybe your Bible says that he hurled insults at him. He scoffed him, right? So he's not asking a genuine question. He is mocking Jesus. As he is dying, this criminal, as he is dying, he's joining in on this quote-unquote fun for approval, right? He's just jumping in on the fun of the religious leaders and the soldiers. Everyone's mocking Jesus, and as his last dying breath, he was like, eh, I'm gonna, I want their approval, so I'm going to mock Jesus as well. He's giving in to this, this culture of just mocking Jesus so that culture will accept him, right? So in Coco, this is what Miguel's family wants, right? They're not necessarily mocking Jesus, but they do want approval. They want people to be remembered for their approval. So in Coco, Miguel's family is saying, don't do anything that your family is disapproving of. Don't do anything that goes against the approval of your family. In Mexican culture, family is huge, right? It makes complete sense. In Mexican culture, family is huge. Family is almost everything, right? You don't go against your family. And, uh, and even in a lot of Latin culture, a lot of us in this room are Latino, in Latin culture, family is still everything, right? And even in, in non-Latin culture, right, for, for a lot of our uh, non-Latin friends in the room, family for a lot of us is everything. You do not go against your family. It is so important to have the approval of your family, is what your family uh, would tell you, right? So family is huge. But if we were to be honest, it doesn't just stop at family. I think it extends a little further, right? So what, what do I mean? I mean, we want the approval, not just of our family, but we want to be remembered by approval of our friends, right? So we'll like carefully, so, so, so carefully curate a, a profile picture, right? Just so like our friends think really well of us, right? And then we like, oh, oh, you, uh, you, they should not tag a photo of us that we don't approve of because then we untag it, right? The, 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 uh, the tension between profile pics and tagged photos is very funny, right? Or like we uh, will post something like on Instagram and then if it doesn't get a lot of likes, what do we do? We take it down, right? <laughs> we take it down. Why? Because we don't want our friends seeing that we posted something without getting a lot of approval there. Or even, uh, let's say, like, you're in a group chat, and then you, like, post a joke, and it bombs. And, and, and like, and, not, and you know it bombs because nobody responds. Isn't that awkward? We've all been there. We've all been there, right? So we want, we want the approval of our friends. Like, we want, we want our friends to like us, right? We want their approval. Oh, but it doesn't stop at friends now, does it? No, 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 right? We want the approval of the opposite sex, do we not? Like girls, like you want guys to holler at you. And like guys, like you want to you wanna like holler at girls, right? So we, we want, <laughs> we, we, care, we care so much about affirmation, do we not? Do we not care so much about affirmation? 
right? Like even like here, and I, I know this is true because this was me, right? You come to the table hoping that you can talk to somebody. Am I wrong? No, right? Like you come, you come hoping that you, you can talk to somebody. And then even, I'll tell you like where my heart was. Um, I was involved with a previous young adult um, ministry um, back in Texas. But like I would go hoping that I could talk to somebody. And then if I didn't, and I didn't like get that like affirmation, then I would like leave really disappointed and sad. Like my attendance was a failure, right? Because my sole intent was just to be able to talk to someone. And I wasn't able to talk to anybody. So I left really disappointed, right? Or, um, uh, yeah, we care so much about, about approval, right? And here, here, I think, is the thing that is, like, most weird, weird of all. We almost care more about what strangers think about us than about what our friends think about us, right? Meaning, like, when you, whenever you go out or even if you're here today, did you put a little more into consideration into your appearance? A little bit? Yes. So... Uh, even in here, I'll tell you, I'll tell you where, I'll tell you where I am, right? So I know that I'm, I'm speaking today, right? So I was a little more mindful on like what I, what I wore in front of you guys and even like how I'm presenting myself in front of you guys right now than if I were just kind of like be out and just like being a host uh, with our other hosts, right? Because we want, we want approval. We want approval of people and we care so much about what people think about us. We do. Right? And it's not just enough that our very close friends like, affirm us and care about us. Uh, right? We want the approval of everyone um, that we talk to. And it's probably, so I gave those examples, but I want to I wanna say this. It's probably one person. So it may, not, it may not be strangers, it may not be dating, it may not be family, it may not be friends. It probably, you, maybe none of those examples resonated with you but I almost guarantee that there is one person in your life that you are really, you deeply, deeply care about what they think about the decisions that you're making. Could be a mom, could be a dad, could be an older sibling, a younger sibling, an older cousin, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's your Uncle Mike, because almost everybody has an Uncle Mike. We, there's probably one person that we, that we idolize their approval of us. Maybe your boss, right? We care so much, or our coworkers. We care so much what they think about us, right? And it's going to affect our career choices. It's going to affect who we date. It's going to affect what we eat, right? And with, with every decision that we make, we think, what will this person think about this? And we almost think about that before we go ahead and make the decision. Or we make the decision, and then we're very curious and or fearful about what they might think about the decision that we made. All of us probably have one person in our lives that we really care about their approval of us. Uh, so for me, um, I mean, I'm, I think the, the two people that I highly, highly consider uh, when I think through major life decisions are my parents, right? We have fantastic people. We have a fantastic relationship. And for me, I am uh, half Mexican, half Puerto Rican, full Latino. So I get the family is a big deal, right? My, my dad was one of 11. My mom was one of six. And almost all of them grew up in the same town. So I have so many family members all living back in the Houston area. And when, after I graduated college, so I, out, of the, out of the so many family members, I would bet 90 to 95% of the family members, that's a lot of people, 
all stayed in the same area growing up because that's what you do. Why would you move away from family? So after I graduated college, then I moved to, to Dallas, and Dallas from Houston is about four hours. And those are conversations that we would have a lot. Was my parents would ask me, "Why are you living in Dallas? Like family, family's really great. Like did, family's really great." And I, I would agree with them. Um, and then I like almost like doubled down because then I was like, "All right, Dallas wasn't far enough. I'm moving to Orlando, right?" And now I'm here. And, and in honesty, th- those are conversations um, that we had, right? And if it's, I think it's the preference of my family that I would be back in Texas, right? I think, and that would be, that would be awesome. But I know that my life is here right now, right? And if I was like so fearful of what my parents might think about me or that they would disapprove of me, then there's, I wouldn't be standing here talking to you guys right now. But here's the thing about people that truly care about you. They're for you. The people that truly care about are for you, and they are for the decisions um, that you make. So if there are people, especially if they're godly, right, if there are people that can speak truth into your life, there are people whose opinions you should definitely consider. But it's not people whose opinions you should ultimately make ultimate, like do whatever they say no matter what, right? There's, there's a healthy tension between listening to wise counsel and neglecting wise counsel and just doing, doing whatever, whatever you want, right? So living your life for the approval of others is exhausting. Living your life for the approval of others is exhausting, especially the more people that you're trying to impress and, imp- and have you their approval, right? Because then you're trying to like bend your way and you're like, well, this person wants me to do this thing and this person wants me to do this thing and there are two very different things and I have to make a decision. So who do I want to upset? That's basically the game that a lot of us play is like, who do I want to upset today, right? Because we know that we're going to upset somebody. So I'm not saying, like, hate is going to hate, so shake it off. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that. I am saying, you know, I think we should take into consideration wise counsel, but remembering for approval I don't think is the best option either. So I don't think remembering for ambition, being remembered for ambition, and, or being remembered for approval, I don't think that those are great options. I think there is a way way better option that we will keep reading here in the story, right? So option three, you can be remembered by the Almighty, right? Which is a weird way of saying Jesus, but I needed an A to keep the alliteration going. And and it's in Revelation too, where Jesus refers himself as the Almighty, so we're good. Remember the Almighty, and now that I made a joke about it, you guys are going to remember it more, so ha. All right, let's read verse 40, verse 40. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So again, the story. The story is the Pharisees and the religious leaders and the soldiers were mocking Jesus. And then the other criminal jumped in and started mocking Jesus. So then the criminal on the other side, how does he respond? He rebuked the other criminal. He's saying, you're basically spending your last breath mocking Jesus. Is that really the best way to spend your last breath? Right? Is that really the best, the, la- the, be- 
Is that really the best way? No, because here's what he said, and this is so powerful. This is so powerful. He said in, in verse 41, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. He's saying we are sinful. We are criminals. We are sinful. We have done wrong, and we are receiving exactly what we deserve. Because we deserve death right now, and we are literally on the cross dying, and we are receiving exactly what we deserve. But, but, this is a really big but, this man has done nothing wrong. He's saying we deserve sin, we deserve death, but this man, Jesus, Jesus has done nothing wrong. Jesus is sinless. Jesus is dying this death that he didn't deserve, right? So he's saying, so why are you mocking Jesus? Jesus hasn't done anything, right? Stop mocking him. Like, what are you doing, bro? So he said, remember me. He turned to Jesus and he said, Jesus, remember me. God remembering is very powerful throughout all of scripture. As we work through scripture, we can see this idea of God remembering people, right? So we can look at, uh, in Genesis 8, it says, so Noah, to set some context, Noah is there in a big boat floating on the world, right? And they're just floating. And Noah has no idea how long he's gonna be continued floating after the, the world had flooded, right? He's just kind of hanging out there like on the, on the water, and it says that God remembered Noah and his family. That God remembered them. And that God caused the wind to blow, which began to dry up the water that covered the earth. Right? So we can see that God remembering is the phrase that we see by some sort of action or work on God's behalf of the work on behalf of God's work on behalf of God's people. Right? God remembering is his work on behalf of of God's people. And then we see this in, in, the, next, in the next book as well, in, in, in Exodus, right? The Israelites. The Israelites are in, are in Egypt, in slavery, right? They are enslaved for 500 years, and they are wondering that they're like, wait, I thought we were God's chosen people. I thought our great-grandpa uh, Abraham, I thought, didn't you have a covenant? God, like, where are you? Like, did, did, you, did you forget about us? Like, we've been here for a long time. And it says in Exodus 2 that God remembers his people who were enslaved to the Egyptians, right? And then in the very next chapter, he puts a plan into motion to set his people free. And then we see this in in Psalm 98.3, and I think it's gonna be on the screen here. It says, he has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God right? That God remembers, right? And his remembrance is steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel, which is basically God's people. And God remembering brings salvation. When God remembers you, that means that you are saved and that he is keeping you. God remembering you is a very, very powerful phrase. Very powerful. So if you may be thinking, okay, if God remembers, does that mean that, like, God forgot? Like, does God, like, misplace, like, his house keys? Or, like, is he, trying to, is he like, trying to find that computer file that you just can't find and, uh, and it just searching, searching? 
Like, no. God is working on behalf and saving his people. That's what it means when God remembers. So it's not that God forgets us. It's that we forget God. God doesn't forget us. We forget God, right? Because we've been living our entire lives to be remembered by ambition. We've been living our lives to be remembered by approval. God doesn't forget us. We, at times, we forget God, right? And then, and then we die. <laughs> but here's what happens. I think we can look at the criminal when he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me. And, and here's what's happening. Is the, the, the criminal is basically saying, Jesus, remember me. Like, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Save me, right? He already agreed. He already confessed that he was a sinner, right? He said that I deserve death, and now I, I need a savior. Jesus, give me life. Jesus, give me life. So I, wanna, I want us to think of like a, a courtroom scene, right? Because here's what's happening. Is that God, as the judge, is there, and he's looking at us. And whenever uh, God sees us, sees who we are outside of Jesus, is death, condemnation, sin, right? Our, our lot, we do not have a good track record outside of Jesus. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, no, if you're with me, I remember you. So I'm going to stand in your place that whenever God, as judge, looks at you, he doesn't see you and your sin. He sees me and my, my covering of your sin because I died the death that you deserve, right? I died the death that you deserve. So God has not forgotten his people. Jesus is remembering us for those of us that put our faith and our trust in him. So, and here, here's what happens whenever that happens. Here's what happens, verse 43. And Jesus said, and he said to him, truly I say to you, today, today you will be with me in paradise. When Jesus remembers us, we have full confidence that we will be remembered by him and we will spend eternity with him. That's the gospel, is that we are sinful. We deserve death. But Jesus steps in. We put our faith in him. He remembers us, and we get to spend eternity with him. And today, you will be with me in paradise, as, as Jesus says. So Jesus, Jesus, save me. Save me, right? Remember me. Save me. Do your work in me. Sustain me. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, remember me. Remember me. So the question that I want to submit to us is Jesus going to speak your name to the Father, saying that he remembers you? Is Jesus going to speak our name to the Father, saying that he remembers us? Right? Do you think that Jesus will remember you? Right? And there's kind of all, and I, when I pose that question, there's kind of all different responses in the room. Some of us are very secure that we know that, yeah, absolutely, 100%, Jesus, Jesus remembers me. And some of us are like, no, I don't, I don't think Jesus is going to remember me. And some of us are in the middle. We're like, you know what? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I don't know. I, 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 said a, I said a prayer one time, but my life now, I haven't really been, been tracking with God. I've kind of been forgetting God a little bit. I don't know if God's going to, Jesus is going to remember me. 
I want to give you hope right now, today, that today you can be with Jesus in paradise. And all you have to do is believe and confess. Believe in Jesus and confess that he is Lord, just like the thief on the cross did. He models exactly what we ought to do for Jesus to remember us and for us to be saved. It's to believe in our hearts, right? That God raised him from the dead and we confess that Jesus is Lord. Believe and confess. Right, in a few minutes, we're going to have an opportunity for those of us that want to believe and confess. Or for some of us, we know that we believe we need to repent. We need to repent of some stuff, right? We've been forgetting God and we need to repent. So it's really interesting, though, because in the, in the two other gospel accounts, so the, the, the passage that we read is out of Luke, but they actually record very similar stories in Matthew and in Mark. And in both of those stories, it wasn't just one criminal who was mocking Jesus. Both criminals were mocking Jesus. So a lot of scholars believe that, it, that the originally, whenever they first got put up on the cross, all three of them, the two criminals were mocking Jesus. And then Jesus was continuing, as Jesus does at the beginning of the text, saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, and just talking with them and spending time with them there, just hanging on the cross to where one person, one criminal responded to the goodness of Jesus and the other did not. Same opportunity. Someone responded to Jesus and he believed and confessed and the other criminal did not. So I think that all of us can look at this, this criminal, that we can see ourselves as the criminal here in the story. And we just believe and confess. And for if you're in Christ, you are not forgotten. God remembers you. God remembers you by name. He loves you, and he is keeping you, and he is continually sustaining your life. For, for those of us in this room that feel like God has forgotten us, and because we don't feel loved by God, we're trying to get approval. We're being remembered through ambition. We're trying to be remembered through approval because we don't feel that God loves us. If you're in Christ, God loves you. He remembers you. You are not forgotten. He knows your name. So my prayer, Jesus, remember me. Jesus, remember us. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for remembering us. We thank you, God, for dying on the cross for our sins that we may have in life. We thank you, God, for, for your life, burial, death, and death and resurrection, God, that we may have new life. And we thank you so much for remembering us, that we don't have to try to be remembered by ambition. We don't have to try to be remembered by approval, God, that we are remembered by you, the almighty God. Thank you, Jesus, for remembering us, for saving us, for sustaining us. In Jesus' name, amen. So. Um, at this time, we're going to have um, a few of our um, staff and, and um, some of our leaders here up front um, if you want to pray. Um, we're going to sing together. So let's go ahead and stand as our default posture of worship. And as we sing, if, if believing and confessing or confessing and repenting or if you just got, if you feel uncertainty, if, if God remembers you or not, now is a great time to come talk with some people about that.